You are listening to Message Rewind from Discovery Church. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8, and it's 2.10. Uh, this is the Apostle Paul writing. He says this, we are pressed on every side by troubles. How many people can relate? But we are not crushed. Ooh. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Verse 10, through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Guys, let me pray, and then we'll jump into it. We're going to be in Acts chapter 6, but let's pray. Father, we love you. God, we thank you for who you are, for what you're doing. God, I pray that you would uh, just speak through me. God, we, we want to leave here changed, not for our own benefit, God, but so that we can change the world around us. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, come on, everyone say it. Amen. Amen, amen. Hey, have you guys ever watched a movie where you just become like emotionally connected to the character? Show of hands. Just like you, you just watch it like, and you're like, man, like he starts off and it's just like a really good character, like he's... He or she is a nice person, and, and like you just, you watch them throughout the, the hour or so, um, the, the hour-long movie, and you're just like, you're just so connected to them. You're connected to their success, and thank God for Hollywood, right? Like, because Hollywood, all the movies typically end with the character, the main character not dying, Right? Like, I'm so glad, but then all of a sudden when the main character dies, it's like, no. For instance, Titanic. We, uh, like for those of you that have not watched Titanic, why? Second of all, spoiler alert, uh, the ship actually sinks. Like, this ship actually sinks, yeah. So in case you didn't know the history, that's what happens. And it's funny, I don't, so like, I, I, I love movies that are, that are like real life movies, biopic, is bio, biography biographical, I think, um, cinema, and I love, like, how, like, you can watch the movie, and, uh, like, for Titanic, for instance, I'm watching it, and I'm like, hey, maybe the ship really doesn't sink. Like, have you ever just, like, you know how it ends, and then, but you're like, ah, maybe it changes? Uh, so, like, I'm, like, wishing that, that I'm like, maybe history got it wrong, maybe this is, like, really what happened. Anyways, the ship sinks, but in this is that is the character Jack, right? Like, in and for like two and a half hours, we get to follow Jack around. And as the movie progresses, like, we're like, oh, Jack, we love Jack. He's a great guy. Go, Jack. And then he meets uh, Rose, I think her name is. And Rose, and, and they're, it's just, it's amazing, right? And, and so as the end of the movie happens, ship sinks. And we're like, no, Jack. But luckily for them, they found a door that they could float on, both of them, that both of them could jump on, right? Like, like the door is big enough for both Jack and Rose to jump on, and I'm like, they're saved. Praise God. Mm. Rose is on that door, lying down, <laughs> sprawling out, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> Jack is in the water. Freezing. She lies to him, guys. I'll never let go, Jack. 
And there's Jack, like, <laughs> too, too, too graphic, my bad. But I remember watching that movie thinking, no, Jack, don't die. Like, I'm so connected to you as a person. You're a good person. You may have started off rough. We all start off rough. But, like, Jack, like, we've seen the human side of you. And he dies. And I'm sitting there like, I hate this movie. <laughs> and so here's why I'm telling you this. Here's why I'm telling you this, this idea of like falling in love with a character and then like thinking everything good is going to happen and then they die. Because really in Acts chapter 6 and verse chapter 7, we're actually going to see this take place. We're going to be looking at a man named Stephen, or if you're a Golden State Warrior fan, Stephen. Uh, hello. Uh, choose your own adventure here at Discovery. And uh, it's, it's this guy named Stephen. And so what we've noticed, we've been, in the, uh, we've been journeying through the book of Acts. And the book of Acts is really um, the, the unfolding of the first church, the developing, the birth, the growth of the first church. And one common thing that we've seen from chapter 1 all the way into current is that the church is persecuted. The church is opposition. And not church the building, church as in you, as in me. Like we is the church. We are the church. And, 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 and so we, we see this opposition um, happen all throughout. But, but what we're about to read today, this is going to be the first time when we actually see someone die because... They chose to share the gospel, the, the story of Jesus. And, and, and so we're, we're going to look at that. And, um, and, and so what we start off with in Acts chapter 6 and verse 8, it's, an intro, it's kind of a reintroduction to Stephen. And, and, and the author, Luke, he, he begins to like build Stephen's credibility. He begins to build this, this, this hook, if you will, to draw us in, to be connected to Stephen, okay? And so here it is, Acts chapter 6 and verse 8. This is Luke the author writing about Stephen, or Stephen. Uh, Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed many, or performed amazing miracles and signs among the people. So right off the bat, introduction to Stephen. Luke the author is like, hey, this man was full of God's grace and wisdom. Basically, he's saying this man had great character. In fact, we read about uh, Stephen a couple of weeks ago when, um, when the, the, there was an argument between the widows not being fed. Do you guys remember that? For those that, you were, that were here. And they were like, hey, we, we are too busy. Like, we can't do this. If we, if we focus on this, then we can't, like, focus on what God's called us to do. And so they actually start to, um, uh, they, they pick seven guys. And one of the seven was Stephen. And so here is Stephen. Luke is building up Stephen's credibility. Stephen is our Jack. We're like, we're, we're, like we want to just be connected to who he is. Verse 6, or excuse me, uh, verse 9. But one day, some men from the synagogue of free slaves, as it was called, started to debate with him. They were Jews from Cyrene, Alexandria, Sicilia, in the province of Asia. None of them could stand against the wisdom and the spirit 
what Stephen spoke. So a synagogue was a meeting place. Uh, it was a place to pray, to study. It's almost like a church. And so what Luke is saying is that there was, a, there was like a church, a, a synagogue that, were, that was strictly for uh, men that were once slaves but are now freed. And it's important to understand that they weren't part of uh, where they, the currently where they were from the, from the outside. So it was like another church from Santa Rosa coming to Rohnert Park to rebuke me. That's basically what's taking place right now. And, and so uh, the, they, they begin to debate with Stephen. So Stephen, he, he shared, like we don't really know what he's sharing about, but, but we, it's, it's a pretty good, um, pretty good guess that he was talking about Jesus. He was talking about the death, the life, the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus. And, and so he's, he's doing his thing. He's talking about, about Jesus. And all of a sudden, the, the, this, these outsiders come in and they begin to debate with Stephen. They begin to, they, they begin to like accuse him. But I love what Luke writes. He says, but they couldn't stand against the wisdom and spirit that Stephen spoke with. I love that. Like they, Luke is like, they came to debate, but they couldn't, like they, they couldn't stand toe-to-toe with Stephen because he was full of the spirit that brought wisdom. He was full of, of, of the wisdom. Let me put it this way. When you and I, when, we're, when the Holy Spirit dwells in us, we have an unfair advantage. When, when the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you, you have an unfair advantage over your situation. You have an unfair advantage over your, the person that's oppressing you, that's accusing you, that, that, that's, that's trying to attack you. You have an unfair advantage, and I like to call that favor. Can I say this morning that when the Holy Spirit dwells in you, you got favor. You have some favor in you. And so we're going to talk a little bit about favor, but when I say favor, just know that I'm referencing the Holy Spirit in you, okay? Because you ain't got no favor without the Holy Spirit. You might have favor with men, but that only gets you so far. I need some Holy Ghost favor. And, and, and so, so when I say favor, just, just, just know that I'm talking about Holy Spirit, okay? And so, uh, so, so what I've discovered is that when I have favor, when I'm walking in favor, sometimes favor breeds frustration. And not with me, but with the people that I have favor over. Have you ever noticed that? That there's sometimes, man, like when you just walk in the favor of God, when the Holy Spirit's dwelling in you, there's sometimes, there's sometimes that the people that, 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 that are trying to bring you down, they get frustrated. They, they, they begin to attack, and, and this is what is taking place right now. They, they understood that, that Stephen had something inside of them that they were lacking. And because they, under, because they saw that, they, they begin to plot lies against him. And here's what it says in verse 11. So they persuaded some men to lie about Stephen. Hello. Saying, we heard him blaspheme Moses and even God. This roused the people, the elders, and the teachers of religious law. So they arrested Stephen and brought him before the high So favor, 
led to frustration, and the frustration led to false accusations. Have you ever been there? Have you ever had someone attacking your character? Attacking who you are, attacking your motives. Like this is what Stephen's going through. He, he, he's, he's so full of the spirit of God. He's walking in so much favor that these people are so frustrated, they begin to challenge him. Not by facts, but by like what, by, by the lies. They're, they're like, hey, he's talking. He, everything that Moses said, he's saying it's, doesn't, it's irrelevant. Everything that we've ever known about God, he's saying, like, it's irrelevant. They're lying. They're creating lies about Stephen. And Stephen, he's standing there just receiving that. And watch what it says in verse 15. At this point, everyone in the high council stared at Stephen because his face became as bright as an angel's. His face became as bright as as an angel. Now, this is a very important description that we read here because Luke wants us to, to understand this idea that whatever was in Stephen was seen through Stephen. And so it, 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 it challenges me to ask the question, if, if I'm walking in the favor of God, if the Holy Spirit dwells in me, which as a believer, he dwells in you, is he just in me or is he in me and does he work through me? Like can people see the whole, can people see Jesus in my life? And I'm not just talking about when things are good. I hope people can see Jesus in you when things are good. Like if they can't, then something is clearly wrong, right? Like, like I hope people can see Jesus in me when things are good. But my God, I hope people can see Jesus in me when I'm going through hell. I hope people can see Jesus in me when things are hard, when things are rough, when, when life's not going my way, when situations are not, are not going, going the way that I want them to. I want people to see Jesus in me. And that's what Luke is saying right here. He's like, he's being accused. They're saying that he's lying. They're attacking his character. But he's standing there. And the presence of God is glowing through him. I want people to see Jesus in me. When I'm broken, I want people to see Jesus in me. When chaos is happening, I want people to see Jesus in me. And this is what he's building up right here. He, 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 he's, uh, uh, Luke is, is, is trying to let us know, to build the character of who Stephen is. And then we get to the trial and I'm not going to read the trial. This is chapter 7. But I, like, I encourage you when you get home, read chapter 7. Uh, I'm going to paraphrase verse 1 through 50. And the first 50 verses of chapter 7 is actually Stephen. Um, he, he begins to, to lay out the foundation, the history really, of Israel, of, of, of the people that, that are accusing him. The people that are, are holding him trial. And so I'm just going to go do a little recap, and then again, you guys could read the first 50 verses of chapter 7. But he starts off with Abram. Stephen starts off with Abraham, and he's like, hey, remember Abraham? God said that I'm going to make your descendants as plentiful as the stars in the sky. 
And he called Abraham out of his comfort zone into a new land, and it was necessary. And Abraham, he, his son was Isaac. Well, he had two sons. He had Ishmael and Isaac. And so Isaac, he, uh, Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of, remember Joseph, the one that was sold into, into Egypt? That, like, he's a, so it's Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. And Jacob had 12 sons. These are the 12 patriarchs of Israel. One of them was Joseph. Uh, Joseph was extra loved by his daddy, and his brothers didn't like that. So they, they sold Joseph to slavery into Egypt. Uh, Joseph's living in Egypt. All of a sudden, a famine happens. And uh, Joseph's brothers and his dad, they're, they're like, hey, Egypt has food. Let's go to Egypt. So they go to Egypt. Lo and behold, it's the brother that they persecuted, that they sold. If I was Joseph, I would have been like, be gone, right? Joseph was a way better person than me. And so Joseph was like, hey, let me help you out. And so now all of a sudden, Israel, uh, they, they lived, they made their home in Egypt. Fast forward uh, some years, Egypt began to, to grow greater than Egypt, excuse me, Israel began to grow greater than Egypt. There, there, there were more Hebrews than Egyptians. And all of a sudden, the Pharaoh is like, hey, I can't do this. Like, they're going to take over. So then he makes them slaves. Okay? Now, when, when uh, Israel is under uh, captivity of Egypt, God is over here, and he's raising up a man named Moses. Moses, God's like, hey, Moses. I want you to free my people. Remember, this is chapter, uh, this is verse 1 through 50 of Acts chapter 7. Uh, he's like, hey, I want you to free my people. Moses is like, okay. So he frees his people. Israel, they journey through the wilderness for 40 years. We're all together so far? We get, we're on the same page. And so it, within this time period, the, the, the people, they begin to get a little bored. They begin to get a little restless. In fact, there was this one time when Moses was on the mountaintop. God was giving Moses the Ten Commandments. We're all familiar with the Ten Commandments. He gave them the Ten Commandments. When he came down from the mountaintop, the people were worshiping another idol. And so all of a sudden, we see uh, people's heart drift from God to idols. That's a whole other sermon in itself. But man, like it's easy how our hearts can drift. Our hearts can drift when we see something. And when, like, when we don't see God, how easy our hearts drift to something else. Anyways, again, that's a different message all in itself. And so here they are. They're like, we need to build. Uh, we, or excuse me. So Moses was disobedient. So then God raised up Joshua. Joshua led the people into the promised land, Canaan. And then uh, along came a guy named David. David was like, hey, we need to build uh, a temple for God. See, during this time period, they were so used to seeing like idols in, 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 um, uh, idols in, 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 in uh, temples, in like actual rooms. Like, and so this idea that God's presence was just in a box they were like, we don't understand this custom. We don't understand what this is. So they build this, this, uh, this, this, this place for, for God's presence to, to, be, um, to, be, to be there, to be there. 
and, and then all of a sudden, David's son, Solomon, Solomon built the tabernacle. And, uh, and so this is, this is all going, uh, this is Stephen. He, he's talking about the history, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, uh, Joseph, uh, Moses, Joshua, David, Solomon. And then he gets to verse 51, and he says this. You stubborn people, you are heathen at heart and deaf to the truth. Must you forever resist the Holy Spirit? That's what your ancestors did, and so do you. He said, name one prophet your ancestors didn't persecute. Remember, Moses came down. They started persecuting Moses. They persecuted Isaiah. They persecuted Jared. Like, they, the prophets, they, they, they persecuted Elijah. He's like, name one prophet that, you have, that God has not given you that you've tried to tear down. He said, they even killed the ones who predicted the coming of the righteous one, the Messiah. He's talking about Jesus. Whom you betrayed and murdered. You deliberately disobeyed God's law, even though you received it from the hands of angels. So Stephen, standing trial. He's like, why you guys are doing it again. Every time God sends a rescue plan, you always reject it. Maybe a more accurate way to say this is every time you needed and you asked for a rescue plan, you always rejected it. God gave it, you rejected it. And this is what he's, he's built, like he's, he's building this idea, like why are you doing this? Why do you keep doing this? And Stephen's response is the straw that broke the camel's back. Because watch this, verse 54. The Jewish leaders were infuriated, infuriated by Stephen's accusation. And they shook their fist at him in rage. Listen to that. They shook their fist at him in rage. They were, they, they were so angry. They were so angry. Here's what's interesting is that Stephen, what he was saying was the truth. Sometimes the truth hurts. Sometimes we don't want to hear the truth. But sometimes the truth helps us grow. And so what I want us to do, because my time is running now, I just want to give you three things that we're going to look at in the next four verses uh, three things that Stephen modeled for us that, that when you're full of the Spirit, like when we walk in favor, these three things like should be evident in our lives whenever we're faced with accusation, whenever we're faced with opposition. And I'm going to try to go through these real quick. Okay, so uh, verse 55 of Acts chapter 7. But Stephen, full of the Spirit, there, there he goes again. Luke, he's reminding us that he is full of the Spirit. But, but Stephen, full of the Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God. And he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. And he told them, look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing in this place of honor at God's right hand. So I want you to picture this. Here are these, this crowd, this mob. They're shaking their fists at him in rage. And Stephen's response is he gazes into heaven. Here's number one, if you're taking notes. 
Favor fixes my eyes on Jesus. Favor fixes my eyes on Jesus. Like, like Stephen, in the face of the angry mob, he, he wasn't looking for someone to back him up. He wasn't looking how to retaliate. He kept his eyes fixed on Jesus. It said, Luke says that he looked up to heaven and he saw Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father. Where are your eyes when opposition happens? Where are your eyes when false accusations occur? Man, when I am full of the Spirit, it should draw me, favor should draw my eyes fixed on Jesus. I got to learn the, that, that when I'm going through something, man, my eyes need to be fixed on Jesus. Because there's a lot of times when my eyes are fixed on the thing that's troubling me. The thing that's hurting me. The sickness that I'm going through. The pain that I'm dealing with. Man, but I believe that the Holy Spirit helps me fix my eyes on Jesus. Like, I don't have to have my eyes on anything else. This has to be on Jesus. I got to keep my eyes fixed on Jesus. The author of Hebrews says that we would set our eyes on things above, not the things below. And so, number one, favor fixes my eyes on Jesus. Number two, let me read verse 57, and then the keys can come up, and then we're done. Then they put, verse 57, then they put their hands over their ears and began shouting. Just, just listen to this. They rushed at him, and they dragged him out of the city, and they began to stone him. His accusers took off their coats and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. This is, we'll get back to that. As they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. So they're angry. They're yelling. They're raging at him. And he stands there focused on Jesus. And he's like, my eyes are fixed on Jesus. I see Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father. Listen, people that are accusing you, people that are after you, they will hate the fact that you're not groaning in frustration. They will hate the fact that you're peaceful because your eyes are fixed on Jesus. I believe this is what took place with Stephen. They saw Stephen. He wasn't fearful. He was focused. And so they ended up, they started pursuing him. They picked up the rocks and they, they began to stone Stephen. picture this. They, Stephen knew that when they stoned him, that when they begin that process, he knew that this was for keeps. He knew that they weren't just trying to bruise him. They knew that they weren't just trying to draw blood. He knew that the moment they started throwing that was the moment they were going to do it until he died. And he says this, 
Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Number two, favor surrenders the situation. Favor surrenders the situation. I, I, I can't just keep my eyes on Jesus, but I also have to learn to relinquish what I'm going through. I got I to gotta learn to say, God, I don't understand why this is happening, but I give it to you. God, I don't understand why I'm sick, but I give it to you. God, I don't understand why I lost my job, but I give it to you. God, I don't understand why my boss hates me, but I give it to you. God, come on. God, I don't understand why I'm dealing with this, but I give it to you. Come on, when the Holy Spirit dwells in me, it beckons me, the Holy Spirit, He beckons me to surrender my situation and not hold on to it. I can't hold on to these things anymore because I'm like, God, heal me. My eyes are fixed on you. Oh, but I hate this person. God, ooh, I believe in faith. You're healing me, Jesus. Ooh. Oh, but my God, I keep reading this on Google that, it, that, that, that I, can, I can die. I got to let go. Favor surrenders. Now, favor is not naive. I'm not asking you to be naive. That's weird. My arm's not broken. You're like, no, it's broken. <laughs> You're like, no, in faith, it's not. You're like, no, my God, it's broken. So I'm not telling you to be naive. That's, that's not what it, but it is saying, God, I'm giving it to you. Favor, surrender situation. And so we're looking at this, we're looking at this, um, this, this idea of how do I live a life? How does favor affect my life, right? So favor fixes my eyes on Jesus. Favor surrenders the situation. And I love this one right here. Let me read this, verse 60 first. He fell to his knees, Stephen fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge him with this sin. And watch this. And with that, he died. What? That's not how it's supposed to happen. Stephen, like from the very beginning, Stephen, full of grace. Stephen, full of the spirit. Stephen, full of wisdom. Stephen was a great guy. He fed the homeless people. He fed the widows. Stephen was, we love, we're rallying around Stephen. And then we get to this verse 16, he's like, he died. And we're like, what in the world? Here's number three. Do we have that one up, Josh? Favor determines when I'm finished. Let me say it this way. Sometimes favor can seem like it led to failure. Sometimes favor seems like failure. 
sometimes the situation doesn't happen the way that I expected it to. Sometimes that healing doesn't come in the way that I wanted it to. Sometimes that job that I wanted, that internship that I wanted, doesn't happen the way that I wanted it to. Sometimes it doesn't happen the way that I want it to, but favor determines when I'm finished. Favor determines when I'm finished. Paul, excuse me, Stephen, he died. And on the surface, it looks like, well, look how far favor got you. Good job, Stephen. Yeah. You're full of spirit now, huh? You're more full of, <laughs> just kidding. But favor determines when I'm finished. See, what we read in Acts chapter 8 is that Stephen's death freaked out the church. And they left Jerusalem and they dispersed into other regions. Why is that important, John? Because in Acts chapter 1, Jesus said, Be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. The church was getting comfortable in Jerusalem and Judea. But God called them to Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Stephen's death brought about life to what God had called and spoke. Come on. Hey, this morning you need to understand that there's some things in your life that need to die in order for God's fulfillment to take place. There are some relationships that need to die in order for God to take you further. There are some stretching that needs to take place in order for God to take you further. That fulfillment happened the moment Stephen died. See, it looked like the story ended there, but it just begun. Favor, the Holy Spirit, determines when I'm finished. The Holy Spirit determines when you are finished. Your emotions don't determine when you're done. Your situation doesn't determine when it's done. What's standing in front of you doesn't determine when it's done. Favor determines when you're finished. Come on, someone needs to grab onto that this morning. Favor determines when I'm finished. I am pressed but not crushed. I am persecuted but not abandoned. I'm struck down but I am not destroyed. Because favor determines when I'm finished. One more thing and then I'm done. 
the verse that we read, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We are pressed on every side. You can keep that up, Josh. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we're not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. You know what's interesting, guys? That person that wrote the verse, and he's, we're going to look at him, Acts chapter 8 and 9 next week, and we're gonna, that will conclude our journey through the book of Acts. But the person that wrote that, that verse that, that was up, his name was Paul. Here's what's, what's amazing. When Stephen's accusers rushed him, Look what it says. Josh, I don't know if you could pull this up real quick. Verse 58. It says, they dragged Stephen out of the city, and they began to stone him. His accusers took off their coats and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. Guys, that Saul. Verse 8, it says that Saul, Saul okayed the death of Stephen. That Saul is the one that wrote later in life that I am pressed but not crushed. I'm persecuted, not abandoned. I'm struck down but not destroyed. And then he gets to that part, I know, Josh, I love you, man. You're amazing. Second Corinthians, I think it's verse 10. Second Corinthians 4, verse 10. And then he says, through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus. So that the life of Jesus may be seen in our bodies. Saul watched Stephen stone, not recreationally. Watched Stephen being stone. He watched Stephen on his knees saying, Father, I commit my spirit to you. He said, Saul saw Stephen say, God, don't charge him. As they're throwing rocks at him, don't charge him. Forgive them. Did you know that last time we heard that when Jesus was on the cross? And so here's Saul watching this man, Stephen, while he's being stoned, forgiving petitioning on behalf of him, God, don't charge him for this. God, I could, let's keep up that verse, verse 10. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. How in the world can Paul write that? I think it's because he saw it. I think Paul was able to write this verse to the church of Corinthians, to the church of Corinth, because he saw it. He remembered back in the day when he was a young man, when he was zealous to, to, to kill Christians. I think he remembered seeing Stephen down there. And he's like, man, I saw Jesus in that man. This morning, 
whatever you're going through. My prayer is that Jesus, people would see Jesus in you. People would see Jesus in your pain. That people would see Jesus in your process. That people would see Jesus in your peace. Because of the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. Thank you for listening to Message Rewind. Come back every Monday night at 5 p.m. to hear the latest message from Discovery Church.